Human design is a part science, part spiritual system that tells you who you came here to be. You have your own blueprint, your own way of becoming successful, your own way your dreams are going to come true, the way you'll experience the most joy and fulfillment. The instruction manual for how to move through the world is custom to you. When you act according to that manual, when you act as the real you, everything in life comes to you with more ease and less resistance. We all know we're different, yet we're still acting like there's one way to do life. Let's talk about it. To find out your design and the designs of the people in your life, you can visit myhumandesign.com or download the My Human Design app in the App Store and on Google Play. I got this really interesting voice note from a friend of mine um, that I just want to play for you because I would love to know your thoughts on it. I was reading my book this morning and it was talking about John D. Rockefeller and how back in the 1870s, there were most jobs were labor jobs in manufacturing, in factories, like people were working with their hands. And he was one of the first people that had a knowledge-based job and that's what he was known for, just thinking, coming up with ideas, knowledge-based. And he, it was saying that like he could go to the office for, you know, like less time than the people working in the factory, but he actually never shut off. Like when he was on his commute, he was thinking and coming up with ideas. When he was putting the kids to bed, he was coming up with ideas. And then it talked about how like in today's world, you could, like the person that's a knowledge worker is just as effective at 2 p.m. in the office as they would be at 2 a.m. in Tokyo at the wheat workspace. Like, but it, it's just crazy. Like, was John D. Rockefeller a projector? There's so many layers to what she said. I feel like this is such a loaded voice note, but I actually think I've looked him up before and he is a projector. But what's so amazing is obviously it speaks to the fact that on a collective level, we now um, are in an era, if you know anything about the new paradigm, we're currently in an era where, you know, up until 200 years ago, we were really trying to learn the rules of the game. So our energy and our efforts were going more towards like survival and how we find food and how we stay alive on this material plane. In 1781, we entered into a new era where it was like, okay, well, now we know how to survive. What do we do with our time and our life force? How do we, you know, what do we want to achieve? What do we want to create? So it became much more... Um, able to be personal and about us being able to achieve the dreams that we have. So what I think is so amazing is like this speaks very much to the era that we're in where we have all this access to create so much more because we aren't spending time. Um, a lot of us are not spending time where it's like so linear, right? Like the number of hours you put in is the only factor that goes towards creating success because we can use our minds, we can use our creativity, our phones. Like you said to me the other day, our phones are like a factory in our pocket. And so we all have access to a factory that back in the day, you couldn't even dream up if it was the size of three buildings and now it's tiny. So I think that's the number one thing. That's the first thing that sticks out to me is that, um, it really is a work smarter, not harder thing. But it's also interesting how 
because we have that ability to create whatever we want whenever we want and because we're not accountable to someone we don't have to show up to the factory Mm -hmm. it almost and I don't know if you feel this way but I feel like it almost makes it harder because you can work anytime you want but then that means you have to actually make yourself do it right like you have to discipline yourself to be creative at 2 a.m or 2 p.m or whatever works for you and we can jump into like um, you know, some iterations of different designs and what would work for different people. But, um, you know, nowadays we have so much freedom to work how we want more than ever before, but the freedom can also have its um, downsides and its challenges because it's all on you now. Right. That's what my question was going to be is I don't think necessarily this idea of not working in an office is necessarily correct for everybody. I think it's amazing for some people, but I'm curious if you anything stands out to you in a chart that would be able to tell somebody, am I better fitted in an office? Am I better fitted outside of an office? And having that information is actually really helpful um, yeah. rather than assuming that one is better than the other and one's bad or that it's even bad or not bad, you know? Mm. I think that's a really key thing is that, you know, if you think about your ideal way to work, like your dream way, right? A lot of the times our second thought, when we think about having it the ideal way we'd have it, we go, well, I couldn't be that lucky or wouldn't everyone, you know, want the same thing. And we have to remember that our dream version of life is so different than other people's. So you almost want to feel like it couldn't be, you couldn't be the lucky one because Your combination is not a combination that other people will want too. So we want everyone to feel like they got the, they're getting the best end of the stick and that they can have it. So there's some people that love an office because they need the separation between their work and their home. There's some people that love to be around people because that gets them inspired. Um, You and me have found a balance where we love to be around each other, like for intense, um, you know, a week, a month. And then the rest of the time, we're working remotely because that's what works for both of us and just happens to work for both of us. So I think before we get into any like human design clues, it's kind of about like what you're saying, there is no right or wrong. And ultimately what it comes down to is figuring out what brings out the best in you so that it allows you to bring out the value from you in a way that feels most effortless. Because for example, you might be someone who doesn't do well um, around a lot of people for too long and therefore that makes your work suffer and so some kind of self-awareness around what environments if you're watching yourself from above where do you seem to be the most inspired the most disciplined the most creative um, it does help so I think that's number one and I think discipline is a funny word because um, some people are better at kind of self-starting or like making them do something, making themselves do something. And other people need an external pressure. And what I would look at in your chart is actually your root center there. So if you have a colored in root center, which is the box at the very bottom of your chart, you're very good at kind of self-starting. Whereas if you um, have it open, it really helps if someone gives you a deadline or someone gives you, I need this from you, right? Um, And again, like neither are right or wrong. It's all about knowing which one is yours so that you can double down on it and unlock the magic that's in that thing. Right. Because I have an open route, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I need to be in an office to be, um, you know, 
meet deadlines. It just means that I do need more obvious external deadlines. Like it helps me more if you're like, okay, Taylor, I need this this week instead of this like open-ended, you should, we need to do this. That doesn't do anything for me because my body doesn't internally like prioritize things. I have to like externally prioritize things. Mm. And so that's just one layer of when we're talking about work, that's just one thing to look at. And, um, you know, when it comes to an office, even if you want to talk about energy types, for example, I don't think that it's, oh, well, projectors are not good in offices. We did a post a while ago um, about the different kinds, the different energy types as CEOs. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget my teacher said to me, you know, um, the projector CEO is actually like the new world kind of version of a CEO because you're in your office and you leave the door open and whoever needs to kind of troubleshoot or ask for your advice or your guidance or your tweaks or your viewpoint can just walk in and out of the office um, and you're sitting on your couch and just advising people and that again would be a very different type of um, office that a manifesto CEO would have for example but it doesn't mean that you know only generators work well in an office because it's so much more layered than that and if you want to take it really down to the basics is also looking at you know, does your authority lead you to to working in an office? You know what I mean? How do you feel? How do you respond? How do you um, how do you exchange energy when you're in an office environment? And again, it could be that it's not the offices are wrong or right for you. It could be that certain kinds of offices, right? Where does an open plan office really just turn you on? Whereas being in a cubicle on your own doesn't do it for you. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things. And this is why I love human design so much is just that you know, uh, you have to really lean into the nuance and get your ego over this idea of this is all good. This is all bad. All projectors need pineapple. You know, there's nothing that simplistic about it. And that's really, um, signifying of the new world that we're entering into is making our brains get rid of this right or wrong, or these outside hard and fast rules so that we can really push ourselves into becoming the authority of our own lives and being the ones who, if I notice something about myself, I'm the only permission slip I'm going to need to say, well, then I validate this about you and you are correct and this is correct for you. And so don't wait for anyone else to tell you good, bad, right, wrong. Just go do it and see what happens. And um, so I actually do think he was a projector, which is interesting. And I think that projectors are the people who are here to show everyone else the new way to work anyway. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we kind of are understanding that no one is here to be enslaved. And we are here to understand that, you know, um, using your creativity and your sort of Mm, your consciousness pushing your mind to think in different ways and to approach things in different ways is the way that we all are and projectors that's just the the edge of society or the edge of the way of living that we are here to bring you know and manifesting generators are here to push a different edge but then feed it back to everybody else as well so I just also want to get rid of that thing that you know everybody's meant to be a slave because that's actually the enslavement is the thing that we as a collective are moving out of is that no one is here to just suffer and produce and just be a machine through life. Um, everybody is here to do their joy because their joy is their specific individual task that the universe wants them to do. So it makes it joyful for you to hopefully encourage you to do it. I love that you point out to that it's not like, oh, all projectors are not meant to be in office. Because even this example of John D. Rockefeller, where I think um, in a separate conversation that I had with my friend, she's also a projector. 
three, five. She's a quad left like me. So we have, me and her have very similar charts and we also have very similar roles, but I think my understanding of her and her work dynamic is she actually prefers being, going to an office. She Mm. likes having an office. So, you know, there is some semblance of like a structure that people prefer in that. Um, there's obviously variations in every single projector's chart, even like me and Jenna's charts have so many variations in them. So using your own authority and how you feel in an environment is going to be the tell all of if it's right for you. So I really like that you point that out because I think we do get a lot of misconceptions of the, the three hour working thing for projectors. People assume that means they can't work at an office. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. Mm -hmm. It just means the three hour thing just means that the specific part of your work that is outward facing or outputting is three hours. But ironically, and you've heard me say, we've talked about this many times, you and me um, in private, that actually, um, and kind of similar to what she says about Rockefeller, is he's working all the time. Mm-hmm. There's never a time when we're not working because our quote unquote work is to constantly be observing and dissecting and trying to see things in new ways and spot things in different ways and see opportunities for improvement and guidance and efficiency and all those kinds of things. And so your whole life can become your um, inspiration for that. And so, you know, it's very different where I feel like, um, personally, there's not a day that goes by without me working. And I like it that way. Mm -hmm. There's not a day that I'm not doing some form of work. Whereas in contrast, my sister, who's a manifester, you know, that's her idea of hell to do a little bit of work every day. She's like, are you kidding me? I prefer to do four months of 16 hour work days on set, full in, all going, shoot the movie and then have a month where I just don't even move and, you know, lay on a beach and do nothing until my next movie project comes around. And it's so funny when you discuss your dreams with somebody else, because that's kind of what gives you the okay that yours are specific to you because my sister's like are you kidding oh my god that sounds like hell and I'm going to her like really I would you couldn't pay me to do yours you know and so just as much as it's healing to have shared similarities there's a weird also healing in sharing our own like unique version of our dream and have it be different to other people's because then we don't feel so guilty that this lie that we're the only one who's getting the 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 best thing that everybody wants you know Right. My husband, even he, um, has never dreamed of not having an office. Like that's like his dream. Like he like loves having an office to go to and, and that whole environment and, um, having the, cause also he is designed to get involved with people. Like he's really, that's really part of what he's gifted at. So it wouldn't work well for him to sit alone in his house all day. Whereas for me, it works. And I've always mm-hmm. dreamed of that. And it's been a very clear want of mine. So it's paying yeah. attention to like what your natural inclinations are, but not because working in an office isn't cool anymore. You know, like we have yeah. to like throw that out the door. We now have options is the more exciting thing. And you paying attention to what of these options is actually correct for you is going to benefit you the most. A hundred percent. And I also will add that, you know, there are certain jobs where, for example, like if you are a coder, this whole work from home trend, right? Um, 
there are certain jobs where obviously they're going to be better suited to working from home, but also that how wonderful that this thing has happened where it's now flexible. So, okay, for every single person who it's only right for them to be around people all the time and the other extreme where they always need to be alone, like how wonderful that we now have every shade of gray in the middle where we get to really get to know ourselves and say, actually, I need to be around people for, you know, work sessions and, and um, you know, breakout groups and inspiration bouncing ideas off each other but it doesn't need to be every day and then the times when I actually can you know do my own stuff and get lost in a process or whatever then I get my space like you and me know that Mm -hmm. we get a lot of good stuff done in a very short amount of time when we're in the same room for five days but we almost wouldn't be able to do that consistently because it's so much energy and it's much that it would be so draining like it takes us a good few days after we spent those times together to kind of you know recoup and readjust and go back to our own energy because and this is kind of advanced human design but when you put our charts together we form a generator that's our composite of our aura even though we're two projectors so whenever you're around any people you also have to consider that you become a composite of their energy and um So, you know, the more important it is for you to, um, you know, be yourself in your work, then actually you would need to spend more time on your own. Whereas actually, if you're really feeding off other people to the extent to which you feed off other people, that's the extent to which you need to spend time around those people and expose yourself to those people. We've spoken about how, for example, when I'm with you, um, you know, your genius freak channel, your 4323 rubs off on me. So it's more correct for me to, for example, share opinions when I'm with you. But by myself, maybe not so correct, but I know how much I need to do that. And I play with the dosage and then we expose each other to that based on how much we need to share and swap gifts. Right. So when she's saying composite energy, all she's saying is like the colored parts in my chart and the colored parts in her chart sort of mix to create its own unique energy. So when I have 43 and 23 gifts and Jenna has the 23 gift, one of those, she has one of those. When she's with me, she kind of, you know, we kind of form that channel together. And she's neither. You have, I thought you had I have one neither. of them. No. <laughs> I swear I'd looked at it before and you had it. Maybe yeah. it's, it's me either way, like you kind of tap, she can tap into that energy via me. And so it is slightly more correct for her to be talking a bit more opinionated when she's around me, mm-hmm. but that's not you on exactly. your own. And then me, even on this podcast, I speak more in the lane of guidance than mm-hmm. I do anywhere else. But because mm-hmm. my energy mixed with yours allows me to sort of tap into that specific way of talking. And so- yeah, like you said, like there, we get this like different sort of energy together. And then when we're separated, we have separate energies too. So it's not correct for us for all, for us to always be together because our energies mix so deeply. Mm -hmm. It would be, we would explode, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. And also don't forget we're two projectors. And when we talk about energy type, what it really is at the very, very basics of it is how your aura, your energetic body functions and a projector's aura, like the name, what does a projector do? A light projector in the movie theater is it shines light out into the screen. And so the projector sees the screen so deeply and the screen just has light shone upon it. So it feels seen, if you want to put mm. it that way. 
And so two projectors together, there's such deep seeing. There's such kind of, um, I guess, like um, entanglement or, or intimacy there, right? In terms of the the seeing and the clarity that, um, you know, depending on certain things, it does, it does need... Um, sometimes moderation depending again there's some projectors that can be together 24 7 it just depends but Mm -hmm. it helps to just all we want to do is help you know and pick apart the specific factors that are going into your specific combination compared to what your goals are so that you can get to your goals using what you have in yourself and also in the people that you work with and in your environment and how you curate your environment to pull the best out of you because Everything that's not you, everything that's outside of you is just here to serve you in the movie of your life. And so just don't ever forget that you have the power to make choices that help pull the best out of you because the universe will always support you in pulling the best out of yourself. And so you taking an active role in that and understanding that that's a beautiful duty to be taking on rather than being selfish Um is a big reframe and one that will bring you wonderful results because that's what the universe wants you to be doing anyway. Right. I do, I love that you point that out because and as much as this is a it started as a conversation about, you know, is working from home right for everybody? Is it not? I really hope that this helps people understand that you're, the people you're around and the environments that you're in are things that you can play with in order to, you know, enhance you. So pay attention to the things that actually feel like they're supporting you. Mm-hmm. And if an office is that, then that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even within then, you can always ask questions. Like I did a story the other day that said, you know, alignment is not a one and done thing. There's always levels within something. So even if, for example, you're in the right job, the daily things about how you can align that job even more, the way that you say something to someone, the way that you time your work day the way that you dress for work like there's there's not enough um days for the layers that there are to every type of potential alignment that can be done within something that's already aligned so even if you're in an office and you love it and it's pulling the best out of you there's always room where you can just take it up a notch you can refine and refine and refine and you don't have to be refining everything in every area of your life all the time but sometimes life will just lead you to like oh that this could be slightly better and you should never feel guilty about saying you know what I'm 85% happy with it now what could happen for me to feel 90 about it you know, whenever you're naturally called to that specific area it would be exhausting to be on a schedule of doing it all times and all vectors of life but there'll be times when you just feel like hmm, yeah I, I could get better even though I feel so lucky already why not right and I'm just trying to sit thinking about what are some like other simple examples that because that don't necessarily just have to do with like energy type or energy centers like even my mom who has outer vision as her stronger strongest sense for her, like part of being in her genius is, you know, making things beautiful and like putting on her makeup and putting on her outfit and Mm. maybe going to an office into a location serves her because it serves the behavior of getting ready in order to go do her work. Where if she's home, she's less likely to get ready and she might not draw the connection that her getting ready is helping her be more in her genius, but it is. So it's not even Mm. just about the office. It's about like the patterns of work or even, you know, my, um, one of my other good friends, her strongest sense is touch and she's an interior designer. And so being like a, you know, 
maybe an online interior designer wouldn't work for her because she really needs to like go touch the materials and be in the homes that she's designing. And like, that's correct for her. So she needs to be out in the field and doing stuff. So there's so many different, you know, pieces of who you are that you're not even tying into office versus no office. And here's the thing. You don't have to look at all the pieces of your design and figure out how they're all going to come together. Usually, and this is the way with you and I, we talk about this all the time, is that you look back and you go, oh, well, that's because my environment is this. Exactly. And that's why it makes sense. Your strategy and your authority will always lead you there. And then the rest of the parts of your design are going to almost be like the backward confirmation of why you did it and why it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to figure out how it all comes together because your conscious brain can't actually know how it's all going to come together. And so we're placing the wrong task um, to the wrong organ, right? So if you said to me, okay, well, this is your environment. These are your gifts. These are your this, 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 and this. What are you going to do with it? There's no way that my brain could even ever dream of this up. And so then if I'm believing that my brain has to come up with it, I'll always feel like I don't know what my purpose is. I'll always feel like I don't know what my perfect day is. The whole point is we're not supposed to know. The knowing is the wrong thing. We're supposed to feel it. We're supposed to intuit it. We're supposed to listen to our bodies. And the reason why that happens is because it's going to iterate in a way that is beyond what your brain can do. So if you're deferring to your brain, you're limiting what you can conceive of. What we want is to create lives that were beyond our conception. And we can only get there if we use the right um, parts of us which are our authority because that's the part of us that's connected to the mystical ineffable forces and they know what they're doing even if we don't know where it's leading it's got us and so we can feel safe in practicing that more and more seeing how it comes through for us and then us finding it easier to trust it um, so that also helps us get out of the addiction of of needing the mind to know exactly how all these parts of our chart are going to combine um, and actually just work the tools rather than trying to know everything before we start. I want to also just point out a sentence you just said. We, If we want to create lives that we can't conceive of, we have to stop, you know, like, yeah, you kind of just go into that concept a little bit because and ground that a little bit more because you're not just going, oh, if you want to create the life of your dreams, blah, blah, blah. No, actually, practically, this is how you we we are trying if we're trying to create lives we cannot even conceive of if we want to experience joy beyond our own conception how we get there is not through conceiving of them mm-hmm. well there's two things i can think of when you say this to me um the first one is that um let's say for example you were trying to figure out the best way to eat and you were trying to do it with your mind you couldn't read enough books in the world over the course of your lifetime to know everything. So if knowing everything is the required basis for making the right choice, and if you didn't know anything, it would be the not fully informed choice. If that was the paradigm you were building yourself on, then it proves the fact that there's not enough knowledge you can go on to be making the factually right choice. Now that is to do with a diet. That's like a more cold thing. But think about our lives. Think about our story. Think about our genetics. Think about our unmet potential. The fact that we have divinity within us, breathing us into life. That's so, we don't know. There's not enough for 
every human being to try and figure out about what life is for us to go on that kind of knowledge. So that's number one. And number two, the mind is only really going off of past evidence. So if your life that you're trying to create is in the future, then no amount of what you saw or what we've collectively seen in the past is going to do enough justice, especially living on this um, kind of tipping point of life changing so fast. Us looking backwards at the old rules to try and figure out how that's going to affect the future is such a moot exercise. For example, like, oh, well, you know, women have a harder time getting elected or whatever lies that you're telling yourself about what's going to limit your dream life. Like, oh, well, you have to be in office for this amount of time in order to get to the next promotion or, um, you know, well, you have to have the degree for this or whatever that those are all just kind of um, how would I say this? Those are carving the house of the path. Whereas it's okay to have the dreams, but leave the house open. So like you, you know, you wanted to work remotely, you wanted to travel, you wanted to work by a pool. You listened to your authority every step of the way. And what happened was the way you thought you would get there, which was by being an influencer, ended up being that you end up managing, um, you know, basically the whole um, tech side of an app right? But the outcome is still the same in terms of what you wanted that mm -hmm. would make your soul happy and how that would look and feel on the inside. And so you letting go of the conception of how you could get there was a key part of life stepping in and showing you the quickest um, route to getting there that your brain could never have conceived of because you just don't look around and see enough evidence in common culture, in social media, in status quo of someone who got to where you wanted to go in the route that you took. And so it's only the brain that is going to cling to the house. Whereas when you let go of the house and you just show up and listen to your strategy and authority every single day, that's what creates that, what we call the co-creation. It invites life in to point you towards the, um, you know, the quickest possible route and the most easeful route as well. And would you say, this is going to get into a little bit of like a new paradigm concept, but would you say that the reason why we so deeply like want to create these lives that feel like I'm living a life that I almost couldn't conceive of is because we're actually in a time where that's possible. Like we're supposed to be doing that, right? Yes, 100%. And I think that's a privilege that we have to understand that even not everybody on this planet has that privilege. And that, you know, one of my favorite sentences from the Gene Keys is, um, and you you can listen to our podcast episode we did with Richard Rudd, who's the founder of the Gene Keys. It's one of my favorite books, one of the ones I just read over and over again. But, you know, he says, we stand on the shoulders of even the cockroach, meaning that it has taken so many generations of work for us to even be able to have this. And now we owe it back to all those people who paved the way for us to be in this position to live lives that we couldn't even conceive of because that is our part in the march of humanity back towards its divinity. So if we don't play our part, then no one else can stand on our shoulders and have the next privilege, you know? Just like our parents had the privilege of being able to have contraception or get divorced because the previous generation paved the way for them. So again, it's it's beautiful that you feel like you're the lucky one, but also you are the one who 
other people are going to feel lucky who come after you because you did what is now actually your work. It's not just your joy, but it is your duty. It is our duty to do this at this specific time in our specific situations. And so, yes, it's wonderful that it's your joy, but that's how it works. The universe makes your joy, your dream, also your duty. And the reason it makes sure you do your duty is because it makes it seem really fun to you. Right. And that's why we drive home strategy and authority so much, because at least for you and I, that has been like the practical, tactical, how in real, like what is the actual functionality of creating a life that you're not, that you can't conceive of. That's at least the closest thing I've ever found to a tool that's helped me do that. And we have we have flexed it so much at this point and seen it come through for us that we're not just going on blind faith. And I think what you and I have in common is that we both are spiritual seekers, but we want it made simple and we want to have the... Um, the sovereignty and the freedom and the over our own individual path of having like, okay, this is the toolbox of how you get there, you know, and this is what we're so passionate about, um, you know, giving to so many other people because spirituality is sometimes so nice sounding and so full of platitudes, but really ultimately, if you want to change your life, you need the manual, you need the, if you do X, Y will happen. And this is how you get from A to B. This is how you wind up where you want to wind up. It's not a secret. It's not, you know, you don't have to be, you know, the wisest person on planet earth to get there. This is what we all can do and can, um, and deserve, right. And can flex if we stay almost simple about the complexity of divinity, of being divine beings, experiencing ourselves in a human form is like, we have to work with the earthly. It's amazing to read the spiritual books, the inspiring words, the beauty of, you know, all of that stuff. And then to marry it with, this is where the magic shows up through, through that very mundane sounding it's in your gut, it's in your emotions, it's in waiting to be invited, or it's in having a, an excitement response, or it's in having an urge for a manifesto, like the magic lives in the mundane, it's not somewhere else other than your real life on earth, what's coming to you today, and you realizing that where the rubber meets the road is calling on that part of you that is divine, and applying it to this exact moment and nowhere else. <laughs>